Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Good morning. How y'all doing? Are you alive? What a beautiful time of receiving the love of the Father, huh? I'm just thankful that when we get to worship, He always comes in a different way. Sometimes it's joy, sometimes it's shouting, sometimes it's tender, like he wants us to receive his love. How many of you are thankful for that? So we want to thank you for coming this morning. If this is your first time, we want to say welcome to Abide. Thank you for joining us. We always say there's so many amazing churches in Tampa, but we're thankful you're here. If you are a first-time guest, we would love to connect with you. You can scan this QR code. We simply want to know how to serve you best, you know, how to come alongside of you guys as family and walk this thing out. But more than anything, we hope that you are touched by Jesus today. Today um, is probably going to be one of the most raw and authentic conversations we've ever had as a community. And we don't apologize for that. You know, we, we're thankful that we have the opportunity to do family together. Amen? Amen. And family's not just family when we're doing Disney World happy, fluffy Christianity. Family's family at all times. Amen? Amen? So I'm excited to get to go on the journey today. Um, before we do that, though, um, last week we spent a good portion of our service praying over Gen Z. How many of you were here? Yeah. Marcus decided to do prayer room during Sunday morning service. So we took like 20 minutes praying for Gen Z, for fathers, for mothers, for that generation. And then on um, Friday and Saturday, they actually went to a conference. And um, it was just, I feel like it was just the leadership of the Lord for us to pray for them as they were going. So we actually want to take time to share some testimonies about what God did. So as they share, here's what I want from you. When they get done sharing, I want you to cheer like something amazing just happened because it did. Amen? Amen. So um, why don't you come out first, bro? Lead the way. Yeah. That is a Rugrats sweater. Rugrats. Oh, man, this conference was insane, bro. So <clears throat> a little context before. So the past couple weeks, I've really been struggling with, like, finding peace because school, church, everything, friends, it's just crazy. Um... <laughs> so while we were in a conference I think his name was Tim Somers right he he says something that like really hit me like hard he said peace isn't a feeling it's a person which is Jesus right and so I was saying this to Kenny and Jalen as we were driving home I said I, I really feel like I I was called by that of course and I feel like we should really step past feelings and just step into knowing. Come on. You know? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. And like, I just remember sitting down, just like contemplating on that, because that like, like, <laughs> and then he was the only person who, who, asked people if they wanted to receive Jesus. And he said, if you wanted to, raise your hand. And I was in a room with a bunch of teenagers, so that was scary. And so I just closed my eyes, raised my hand, and accepted Jesus right then and there. Yeah. We have one more, yeah? Come on up. I have it written down because, yeah. So for the first service, um, the speaker, he told us, hey, like, go into group of threes and just confront the truth. And so I was talking to two other people here, and I was explaining, like, how recently, like, the past few weeks and with school, like, I felt very lonely because recently my like closest friends like they moved schools and I just felt like I had no one like close to talk to but I knew that was God making room for him yeah. and so um the second service I um <laughs> I felt led to go up for prayer and be baptized in the Holy Spirit again oh. And I start tearing up and I start like 
crying, like hands raised, everything. And I start speaking in tongues for my first time. So, and so <laughs> while I was crying, um, this, the second speaker, he was like, um, anybody around you just start laying hands, start praying for people. And I'm just speaking in tongues, crying. And next thing I know, I feel a hand on my right back. And so I start falling, I'm crying, speaking in tongues. And then I feel someone on the left of me touching my back. And then I feel someone behind me hugging me. And then at that moment, God told me, look, you're not alone. There's people around you that love you and that care for you. And, and so I'm just glad to be like, to know that God has brought me somewhere I'm, where I'm gonna be unconditionally loved by him and the people around me. Isn't that amazing? Hey, you know, we talk about this all the time. We know the testimony of the world on the next generation, but we just reject that. We reject to believe that they're, we, we, we read the statistics about the, them fleeing the church and blah, 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 blah. But we believe that God is gripping a generation with the person of Jesus. The issue is when you try to sell religion and church, they're not buying it. But when you give them Jesus, they eat it up. So we're just, we're thankful for all that God is doing in all the generations. And he's going to continue to do it. Amen. It's not just Gen Z, it's Gen Alpha. It's gonna continue on and on because we believe what God is building in the here and the now is for generations to come. The now is not always about the now. What we're doing now is about your grandchildren, about your grandchildren's children. It's about making space for them to encounter God in the way you would have. How many of you went to church and encountered religion? Just me? Like, man, it was years of that. And so we're like violently, aggressively trying to break that thing down so that our kids can step into relationship with Jesus and have the freedom to fully be who God has called them to be. So I love that, you know, homeboy came up and he's like, hey, bro, I love that. Like, be you, be you, because we need that. We need, we need to let them be fully themselves so that God can be fully expressed through them. So I'm just thankful for Pastor Gabby, Pastor Kenny for stewarding that and the team that went. I don't know where you're at. There he is. I love you, bro. It's not easy to take 20-something kids to a hotel and stay for 48 hours. That, that is, that's a job. That's an effort, so. Well, I want to move into our time of giving, and I wanted to preface, because sometimes we, we make giving about just giving, but like I said, we're, we're trying to build the Lord a house, not trying. We are going to build the Lord a house where the generations to come, where our ceiling would be their floor. What does that mean? That the best parts that we get to experience, the prayer of us as fathers and mothers should be that that would be the floor for them. That our ending place would be their beginning place. And that the things that we fought for and we're fighting for would be easy for them. Many years ago, it would have been difficult to, to do worship the way that we do it today. But when Judah and Selah and all of our children step in, it'll be much greater than what we're experiencing today because a company of people believed and chose to make way for that. It doesn't just happen. It's, it's, it's the prayer room, it's the giving, it's the sowing, it's the fathering, it's the mothering that makes way for that. So I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for, for your generosity. We say this all the time, man. We are invited into a moment of partnering with God. We don't, we don't take up offerings, we receive them because we believe it is God's strategy to bless a people, Amen. So I want to pray over it. They're going to put up the multiple ways you can give. And I'm so excited to share with you guys. So yeah, if you guys want to give, those are the multiple ways. Or there's black boxes in the back. All the fun stuff. So Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you for those testimonies of these young ones that, that you are raising up, God, through this house. That you're raising up these young Levites, these hungry, passionate lovers of Jesus to grow up in the ways of God. We're asking you to continue to pour out your spirit that even the, as one was baptized by the Holy Spirit, would you do it in all of them, God? Would you baptize them, touch them, heal them, restore them, renew them, and send them to the nations and beyond, God, to do the work of the ministry? We thank you for, for every dollar that is given. We ask you for wisdom 
on how to steward that. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. And amen. Well, bless you guys as you give. I, I think we have one announcement, and that's tonight um, here at Abide from 3 to 6. If you have served in any area in Abide over the last year, we, we, want, we created a space for you to come so we can honor you. We're going to feed you. We're going to celebrate all that God has done. So if you come at 3 o'clock, we are going to be in the building next door in the fellowship hall where our kids are. There's going to be free food. So if you leave church, eat a snack, come back, and eat barbecue. We've got catered barbecue. It's going to be great. But we want you to come and just celebrate family with us. And 2022 was an amazing year for Abide. Like God, God did so much from all the salvations to the hundreds of baptisms to the new, the, the new parts of you that you've came and become family. So we want to invite you out tonight. We'll be here from 3 to 6 o'clock next door, and we're just going to be having a good time together. Amen? Yeah. If you haven't signed up, you can just come. Um, there's a sign up. We want to know how many. But if you have served from the cameras to the nursery to any part, just come. We want to honor you and celebrate you. Amen? Yeah. All right. Well, Covey, you can come up, bro. Let's give Covey a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I asked him if he practiced a little salute. He said it was unscripted. So we have actually taken the last probably three months of this year to go over our pillars as a house. And we decided to just rest on this. What makes abide abide? And if this is your first time, then you wouldn't have heard that. But we, we took time to talk about what it means to host the presence of Jesus, to be a people of prayer, to be a family, and to believe God for revival. And those are the things that makes us as a family, it makes us us. And so over the last maybe even four months, we've just taken time and we've been slow as God has built us and knit us together and added unto us to kind of explain what makes us us. And one of the things that I believe is unique about our spiritual family, and if you've been here any amount of time, is our vulnerability. That we're not afraid to, to open our hearts and to share with you what God is doing because as we open up our hearts, it, it creates an atmosphere where everybody can open up their hearts. And in a room and in a culture with open hearts, God can do anything. Because many times what's stopping us from receiving all God has for us is not the enemy. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's not like we're, we're binding demons when really what's stopping us from receiving what God has for us is us. It's our inability to be open, to do family in a real way, and to really dive into what the Bible would describe in Acts 2.42 and Acts 4 and Acts 6, where what was birthed out of the upper room was not just a good church service. It was a company of people that were doing life together. They were doing life on life, and life on life looks like something, right? Like, man, could you imagine, like, if in the context of your family, your wife, your husband, your kids, if you only gathered one time a week for two hours. And, and a good part of that, all you did was sing songs. You never really interacted. And then one person stood up and said, this is our way of life, listen to me. But yet that's what we do in church. And when we talk about church and we talk about family, it becomes more of a selling point than a way of life. So in the church culture, we would say, well, come to church, we're family, and that's who you should communicate. Come be a part of us. It is a selling point and not a way that real culture is expressed. So how do we, how do we combat that? How do we make space for God to be in the midst of us is we open up our hearts and we put ourselves in a posture of vulnerability in hopes that you would love us in spite of our brokenness. Did you hear what I said to you? That like, because this is, this, this is the principal issue that we're going to go directly at today. If you can't love me in my brokenness, then you just can't love me. Now, many of us, we come to church and like, hey, how are you doing? Man, I'm blessed and highly favored and I'm doing okay. But the reality is in a room like this with 300 people, there's a lot of issues going on that nobody wants to talk about because we're more interested in saving face and projecting what we think you want than being honest about where we're at. Now, what that creates in us as a people is a people that are trapped. They're tired, they're weary, and they feel alone. Am I the only one? 
So we've been on this process um, and this guy who's sitting next to me, I, I just wanna say like, with honor, do I sit on this stage today and go on this journey? And for, for some of you in the room, the reason we made so much time, even, even with the worship is, we believe that for some of you, this is going to set you on a path of freedom. Where, where there are things you have never talked to anyone about. It's, it's, it's the dialogue that goes on in your head when you lay your head on the pillow at night. That self-talk that you don't talk to anybody, not even your husband and your wife about, that God is after today. And I want to be clear on the beginning of the conversation is you have a choice. Say choice. choice. Because many of us, we're waiting on a supernatural, oh, God walked into my room and everything changed. But for the majority of us, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to be a choice. You're going to hear truth and you're going to have the opportunity to partner with truth or to walk away believing the same lie you've been believing for the last 20 years. Is that okay? So we're going to share some testimony today. And for some of you that have been with us for a long time, you've probably noticed that we haven't heard Covington wowing from the stage for like six weeks now. And this isn't because of any kind of punishment. It's because we have learned as a community that people are more important than their gift. When you make the principle object of what you can get from people, the pinnacle of the relationship, then you miss out on really loving that person. And we can categorize it many different ways, but just let's, let's put it in the context of Covington, and you're going to hear some of the story. For many years, the question that would always be asked is, Covington okay enough to get back on stage? And the reality that we got hit with about three or four weeks ago is nobody's asking, is Covington okay? The question should not be, are we okay enough to perform the assignment? Because God is not more interested in our assignment than he is our heart. The real question is, is the person okay? Does God have their heart? So I want to read to you a scripture. I feel the Lord. How many of you feel the Lord? This is 2 Corinthians 5. And I want to open this up with this scripture to kind of lay a foundation. Verse 14 says this, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for us all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone, so those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. Therefore, say therefore. Verse 16, therefore we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Another translation would say we have stopped seeing people by the natural eye and we started to see them by the Spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to see people the way He sees them, not just by a natural perspective. We have stopped evaluating people by a natural perspective, but God has given us the ability to see people for who they really are. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. That means that anyone, say anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Thank you, Jesus. And all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us a ministry. I want you to see this. Everybody's worried about their ministry. What's my ministry? Paul makes it really clear. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the ministry of the church. To the, to the church in Galatia, he would say to this, when one is caught in struggle or in lowliness or in a place of difficulty, your job is to gently restore them back. Huh. This preaches a lot better when you're on the other side of it. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through who? Through us. He has given us this mandate as ambassadors to make this appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to the Father. Come back to Abba. 
For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And I want to lay that as a foundation today. Just to clearly state, and I said this to our Bible school, but the reality is at, in every one of our lives, at one point we were all in this chair. Do you hear what I'm saying? All of us. Now, many of you would not have the boldness and the courage to do what he's about to do. But all of us have brokenness. Is there anybody here who doesn't have brokenness? I would love for you to pray for me. All of us have brokenness, which means we are all in process. And God's path of restoration is not just that we would connect this way, but that we would love right this way. And we would be able to open our hearts up to be able to receive love, not just from God, but from our family. So we said this to our staff, and I'll kind of land here because I've been going for a little bit. If we don't get these moments right, and we don't walk this thing out in the right way, not just the staff, but us as a family, then we've got to stop plastering it on everything. It would become like the word love. I can't say, Covington, I love you, and I love Taco Bell, because the value of the word love loses value. And when you plaster family and you make that, you make that declaration, but yet it's never lived out because we're more worried about what we get than how we can die for one another, then the word family loses its value. It's like, what's, what's the point of today? We're trying to reinstitute what it really means to be family and to be able to show that we're not just going to walk in mountain highs, but in valley lows. And to be honest, Covington is not in a valley low today. He's going to share about his valley in hopes that you would see yourself there and be able to come up out of that place. So I'm going to pray and then I'm going to let Covington share. But I actually, I'm not praying for him. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for me. That we would have the ability to receive what God has for us today. And that we would have ears to hear and hearts to respond to, to the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? So Jesus, we're here. We're here in this room and you brought us here. You have put us and positioned us in this room. So we ask that you would give us the ability to hear. We pray that every facade, every mask, every bit of hiddenness would be broken off. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, that you would give us the ability to be real. Some of you in this room, you have wanted this for so long. You have felt alone, trapped, and isolated. And Holy Spirit, we just declare as a family, let today be their day. Let today be their day. Let today be their day. Let there be freedom. Let there be courage and restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. I just preface this by saying I've been running with this guy since 2008. Covington is not just a worship pastor here. He's my brother. He's one of my best friends in the world. And so today, um, I get the opportunity to let him come up here and share some of his story in hopes that the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy that would prophesy to you and bring freedom to your life. Amen? All right, bro. Thank you. Yeah. I love you too, man. I love you. So hello, my name is Covington. <laughs> I want to read a verse, and then I want to tell a story about a broken boy and what used to be a broken man. Psalms 27.4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because that's the way that I want to live out my life for the rest of my life. But up until a little while ago, like I've never been so divided on that point. And so I want to tell a story today, not for the sake of having people come and tell me I love you and I'm praying for you, but because I know what the Lord has done for me in like a very short span of time. So I know how faithful he is. I do not need your affirmation. I love it, but I don't need it. I'm telling you this story today because I want to be vulnerable with you, because I want you to know me, right? And because I want 
everyone here to know that the same thing is available for them. Okay? So, my life has been difficult. I know a lot of you see me, have seen me lead worship, uh, but I know that there are a lot of people here that are super close to me. But my life has been difficult. I was born to parents who, uh, who did not want me. They were, um, they were drug addicts, and I've actually never met them. Uh, and, and so from a very early life, I would say that uh, I was exposed to rejection and abandonment, even if at a young age I didn't know what that meant or I couldn't really vocalize it, right? Um, was in the foster care system until I was probably about 9 or 10 years old before I was adopted by very abusive people. <clears throat> Grew, and I'm, I'm, for the sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase a lot. Um, I was introduced to church at a very young age. I've always been musical since I was very young. But even as I got into that, um, people would use me for my gift. And I liked it because being used for my gift was synonymous with being loved and being liked. You know, right? Nobody had time for me unless I was playing an instrument. And so when I was playing my instrument, I would feel the best. And so I grew up through my, I'm, I'm going through my uh, young age, through my young years and my teenage years super quick because I want to get to like the last like 10 to 15 years because I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> so I go through my, <laughs> I go through my, uh, my teenage years and my young adult years just going through the same thing, like the abandonment, rejection, and, and just different, uh, you know, aspects of brokenness are there. But, you know, as, as I've been processing through like the last six weeks, I didn't really know they were there, right? And they weren't really manifesting when I was a kid. It didn't really manifest until I became an adult. And everywhere that I went, I would feel like I just didn't deserve to be there. Like I was just this, and I'm being honest with you, like this colossal, colossal piece of crap. You know what I mean? And, uh, and I remember like in the middle of this terrible season of my life, um, you see, the, the, I went to ministry school with these guys. Um, I can't tell you all of my story because we'd be here until the surf team party, but I will do my best to, like, paraphrase. Um, I'm in ministry school with these guys, and these guys are so gracious because they always talk about how, we, how we've been together for, like, eight, nine, whatever, 14, 15 years. But I actually got kicked out of the ministry school that we were in um, because out of my brokenness, I allowed somebody to take a place in my heart that, that shouldn't have, and I made a, a bunch of huge mistakes, and they kicked me out. So I'm in, like, the worst place of my life, and this is, like, 2007, 2008. And I'm in the middle of this brokenness, and I read this book called The Shack. And um, in this story, I don't know how many of you guys have ever read the book, right? But it touched my life. Like, it changed something in me. Even though I felt like I couldn't really embody it and, like, the brokenness was still there, I just knew. I knew that something, there was something about this story and something about this God who, who really loves me that was awesome, but I couldn't, really, I couldn't really body it. But in reading the book, they talked, the guy who wrote the book talked about something called the great sadness. And so I monikered my brokenness, the great sadness. And so this was in 2007, 2008. And uh, because I read the book and I was like, this is me, this is how I feel. I just feel utterly broken on the inside. Called it the great sadness, and I've called it the great sadness from 2018, I'm sorry, from 2008 until two weeks ago. Like 15 years, 15, 16 years of just utter brokenness, right? And in the mercy and the grace of God, he would allow me to do things like lead worship and stuff like that over, over the span of these years. And because I feel like the gifts and the callings of God are without, like, repentance, he doesn't take them away. He allows you to operate in a modicum of the uh, anointing that you carry, right? But there's never, like if I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm being brutally honest with you here, there's never been a point, you know, there had never been a point in my life where I was doing ministry and didn't feel like divided. Let me explain what I mean by that. On my best days, and I, and I won't talk 15 years ago, I'll talk right here at 913 Dubloom. On my best days of leading worship here, it would be like a 70-30 split. 70% believing I, I can do this. Like this is what I'm called to. Jesus loves me. 30% saying I'm a piece of garbage, right? That nobody really loves me. 
nobody cares about me. Um, I'm only here because of what I can do. And if it weren't for that, I'd be tossed out in the garbage somewhere, right? And then there were some days here where it'd be a 30-70 split in the opposite direction. And when it was a 30-70 split in the opposite direction, everybody would know that I'm not good. I am not one of those guys who can hide their feelings. I'm a very emotional person. If I'm not good, everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. But because of, because of what I called, I'm going to use the past tense, because of what I called the great sadness, I would just lie. So like, even if you would see that I wasn't good, I would still lie about it because I didn't want any, I, I couldn't trust anybody. I didn't want anybody to be in my, in my stuff. And so because of the great sadness, um, like, it would manifest itself in, like, different ways. One of the main ways it would manifest itself is in isolation. And, and not just isolation to a specific person, isolation in general. Like, I'm processing, like, the last six weeks, and I'm realizing that there are 300 people in this church, and 75% of them I don't know because I can't get past the hello, how are you? Primarily because I feel like I'm socially awkward, but mostly because I refuse to let anybody in. I refuse to let anybody know who I am because I don't want to get hurt like I've gotten hurt in the past. And so I'm, I was ruled by this, by this great sadness which was full of depression and torment and fear and guilt and shame because I want to make it clear it isn't all about what people did to me over the years. It's about mistakes that I made too. You know, so I walk around with like the guilt of that and I never let anybody in because I don't want to ever feel that way again. And so even even to the conf even to the even to the point of the people who I really walk with. So like our staff in this church, a refusal to let them in. Um, because of a because of a unconscious belief that if I let them in, either they're going to see who I really am. They're going to see what I'm really going through, and they're going to dip. And on the other side of that, I've got too much pride to tell them what's going on inside of me because I'll lose my platform. Does that make sense? So it's like a circle of, of, of fear and pride that just had me sitting in the same seat. Fifteen years of just utter brokenness. And Gio would get up on the stage and he would be like, wait, wait. Uh, he would say, um, uh, yeah, there you go. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and I'll be sitting right there wanting to slap him in his face. I'm like, say it one more week. Say it one more week, bro, and I'm going to get up and walk out of these doors. Because I knew, right, I knew every time that I would walk in this building, I'm divided. And it's not like direct sin. It's in my mind. I'm divided saying on one side of me, I can do this. On the other side, I'm garbage. I'm trash. And, um, and so this is the life. This is the life that I lived. And, and Gio's been trying to help me with this. Oh, God, bro, it's been years. And I just, I just wouldn't respond to it, right? And, and we would have meetings, even meetings up until recently. And I'm going through, like, I'm, 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 I'm busted, right? I'm, I'm just busted. And I'm sitting in a room with, with, uh, with Pastor Gio, um, Pastor John, and I'm just lying to their face, bro. They're like, are you good, bro? Like, what's going on in your heart? And I'm just lying. I'm just not telling the truth. Like, it's lies. Because I don't want them, I don't want them to to see how I really feel, but there's also a part of me that's like, bro, I gotta get back to what I like the most, which is, the, which is playing. So like if I, if I put up my front, if I keep my front up, then eventually I'll be able to get back to what I was trying to do. This, and, and, and so I would show this perfect, this perfect version of myself, which was utter bull crap, to, uh, to them, but I would also show it to everybody in the room. And the best way that I could explain it would be to say, and, um, and I got this from a video series that I watched that my life the culmination of my life was, a, uh, was like a movie set where you watch these movies, like uh, really old-time movies, and, the house, and you see a house in the movie, and it's big, and it's beautiful, and it's illustrious, and it looks like it's a million-dollar mansion. When in reality, it's like a piece of plywood 
held up by two four, two by fours in the back, and it's like this thick. And so my, my facade, which I will call my facade, was like two inches thick, while in the back I had like a broken shack full of just brokenness and lies and, and sin and, uh, and fears and torments and depressions and anxieties that I was just had hidden in a shack behind that I would never show to anybody. And so like the Lord, man, is crazy. A couple of weeks ago, I went to go meet my main man, Richard Mole, back there. And uh, let me tell y'all something. This man's been trying to help me for a long time. And I, listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I've been giving this dude, like, the cold shoulder. Primarily because I didn't even want to let him in. And he doesn't even know how much that, well, like, one meeting happened a couple of weeks ago that the Lord used the shack, which I'm still, my mind is still blown by. Fifteen years ago, I read that book. And he used that book to bring, like, utter deliverance, yeah. right? So it's just, it, uh, God, 15 years later, he used the very thing that I felt like I couldn't understand what the book was saying. He used that to bring me back. So anyway, I met with Richard Mole a couple of weeks ago, begrudgingly, but he cornered me in, on, a, on a prayer night. And I was like, well, I guess I ain't got no choice. I'm going to have to go meet with this guy. And I'm sitting there and I'm talking about the great sadness. And uh, I had never talked to him about the book before. Um, and he was like, oh, you like, the, you like the book? And so he introduced me to this video series of, of the author who wrote the book. And the author, and I was like, you know what? All right, I'll watch it, bro. I was feeling pretty, pretty bad that morning. Um, I really wasn't planning on watching it. I was just trying to put my little facade up, act like I was going to watch it. I was like, yeah, I'll watch it, you know, but I, I wasn't planning on it. Anyway, I started to watch it, and the author of this book, I realized that our stories are so very similar. And he talks about having this place of hiddenness. And it wasn't just sin that he was hiding there. It was just all of his brokenness hidden in this far off, pace, far off place and then how he would just, as, as a minister, just put up this illustrious facade so that everybody would think that he was all right. Until one day when it all came crashing down. And I'm sitting in my car, I'm getting ready to buy scrubs for a new job that I got and I'm just bawling in the car. Like I'm sure if anybody would have drove by, they would have thought I was a nut. Because I looked silly in there. Because I was like, I know this is the Lord speaking to me and he began to talk about how, how like healing comes through openness and healing comes within the context of family and vulnerability and that the shack doesn't have to hold all of that stuff and how the Lord meets us in those places of brokenness. We're not running to him. He's already there in the place of brokenness. So open up and begin to share these things with the people that you love so that you might find healing. So I called Gio and I told him everything. Well, not everything, eventually everything. Um, <laughs> and I told him what was going on. And then, like, the Lord just began, this was probably two and a half weeks ago, the Lord just began an illustrious movement of just beginning to break down all the stuff that was inside of me. I was surprised at just how much vulnerability heals the heart and drives away brokenness. And so a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was at work. I was actually sitting in my Jeep. My Jeep is busted, y'all. Um, I'm sitting in my Jeep at lunch, and uh, I hear the Lord ask me, do you want to get rid of the great sadness? Like, do you want it to be gone? And I was like, yes, I want it to be gone. I've been walking with it for 15 years. I don't want to walk with it anymore. Then he said, be done with it. And so I said, okay, I'm done with it. And it left. So, so, so. I'm just going to stop that. I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want the hand claps. I get all the validation I need from the Lord. I said that because I believe that for people in this room, it can be gone. Don't, don't, I don't want hand claps. I want you to realize that your brokenness can be gone. And so in that moment of it happening, I'll say, I always thought that I would have a, uh, a encounter with Jesus like the, I would pray for the encounter that Kenny had where he and Gio were sitting on the porch and he saw Jesus and Jesus gave him a hug and there was this big thing. You know what I mean? This is what I wanted. And to be honest, I was kind of pissed at the Lord that, that, he, that it didn't happen. Like I'm begging for this. I would say like my greatest desire is to see Jesus. And this is what I meant. I want to have those type of encounters. And it didn't happen that way. There was nothing grandiose. I was sitting in my busted up Jeep on an hour lunch break, and I made a choice. 
And I just made a choice. I just said, I'm not going to be broken anymore, right? And I felt like the Lord said to me, not in, not in the voice of the Lord, I didn't hear like, you know, the voice of the Lord, but it was impressed upon my spirit that the Lord said, I paid for brokenness to be utterly broken. And that when he died on the cross, he broke brokenness, he broke depression, he broke fear, he broke anxiety, he broke torment, he broke shame, he broke guilt. It's broken. And I will, I, will, I, will, I will change that. He didn't break it. He broke the power of it. Okay? So while it still may exist in the natural world, it can have no power over you other than what you give it. And so the Lord said, you walked in the, broken, in the, in the great sadness for 15 years because you chose to. And so, like, you know, you know, I put this on Facebook, and it was like people were responding to me. And what I realized is that we're, woke, we're walking, and I'm not saying people don't need inner healing. I'm not saying that people who are depressed shouldn't take medicine. What I am saying is that he broke brokenness. And some of us in this room are walking in brokenness today. We come to church every single week. We raise up weak hands to the Lord. We're completely fake. And then we walk out the same, broken, and he broke brokenness. You do not have to live that way. I begin to tell people after, after all of this happened, like after like the shift came, because it was like, I know what it feels like to be broken. I know what it feels like to love the Lord and feel like a piece of crap at the same time and what that conflict feels like inside of your very nature. I know what it feels like to walk into a room like this, right, and, and be just conflicted. And so I know what it felt like for it to leave and to not feel that way anymore. And so last Sunday for me was the litmus test. Because I was like, usually after this whole process, I've missed what I got to do. I love leading worship, and it very much has been a part of my identity, which it shouldn't have been. And so when I, when I came off of the stage, I just wanted to be back up there. So every time I'd walk on the property, I just was sad. <laughs> it was just a part of the great sadness. And so last Sunday was, was going to be my litmus, litmus test. I was going to come in, and like if I, you know, I'd know that I had fooled myself if I step out my car and I walk in this building and I still feel like a piece of crap, you know? And so I told Kelly that last week, and uh, we came in, and I felt nothing, like nothing, nothing. Like when I say nothing, I mean nothing. It was utterly just gone. It was just gone. Now, I feel like I could have chosen to. Right, but because I have a choice to deny the power of brokenness in my life, right, I felt nothing. And even so to the point where at the end of the year, I'm like, this is good. This is great. Lord, you did it. I'm, I don't feel this anymore. I'm good. Even to, the, and even to the point of the altar call service when Anthony got up and played my piano. Listen, I'm going to be honest with y'all. About three and a half weeks ago, I'd have tightened up and walked out them back doors. You know what I'm saying? But even in that, I still felt nothing. And so, like, what the Lord has showed me in this, in this whole situation is that when it says that we are to confess our sins to one another, for in that we, there, there is healing in that. That's, that verse used to, used to burn me up on the inside. I ain't telling you nothing, bro. Like, you ain't finna, you know. But, but in reality... It's not a negative thing. It's not. But when you open yourself up to be vulnerable with the people around you, you give the enemy no room to mark you for brokenness. Because I've got like seven people across here who have who got my back. And when I did become vulnerable with my tribe, which you all are all my tribe, but I'm talking about those around me who are like my closest friends, which I would consider these people to be my closest friends. I cannot be, I cannot be wooed back into that place of brokenness. Because once you experience love and you accept it, I mean, how in God's name can you go back to believing a lie? And so I believe that, that you know, I believe that the, the process of moving from brokenness and being delivered from it is not some long, drawn-out process. I believe it's a choice because God already broke it. Like, it's already, it's already broken. But then beyond that, there is a process of healing 
that comes, right? The brokenness, not a process. You make a choice. You don't have to be broken, right? This is what the Lord told me. But the process of healing those wounds as a result of the brokenness, that takes time. I need to learn who I am. I need to make that a solid point in my life. And then the question that, 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 that comes forward is how do I do that in such a way where I'm not enticed by this, right? Because it's easy, it's easy on both sides for me to say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, then I can come back, right? Then I'll be able to jump back up there and, and do what I love. And on the other side, you guys could be waiting for this, 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 and this so that he can get back up and it can go back to the way it used to be, right? But that wouldn't be the point because the point of all of this, this whole process was not that I would come back and sing really good songs because I can sing really good songs. Trust me, I can still do it now, right? The point would be that my heart would be healed in such a way that I could do this for the next 50 years. And so I had to make a choice. I just want to make it clear. I had to make a choice. Um, I had to make a choice. And I've made the choice to step down from this role. Until such a time as the Lord would give it back to me so that I can work on me. So that I can work on my heart. No, I am not broken. I refuse to let those words come out of my mouth. I refuse. But I do know that I need to heal. And I do know that I want to get to know the people that I work with. I want to take time to get to know you all, right? Because most of the time I'm hiding back there in that room because I don't want to talk to nobody. I want to take the time to get to know all of you and build real family, real relationship that's not superficial apart from what I can give you. Right? Does that make sense? And so I want to, I believe that, th that there's a point where I'm going to step back up there. But in the here and now, I don't want that to be what any of us focuses on. When you see me, don't tell me you miss me. I ain't trying to hear that. Just being honest with you. I want to just, I want to know you. I want to love you. I want to get to know you apart from this. So that when I come back to this, I'm doing it in the context of real family. And then my last, my last wish, and I'm going to hand the mic back to Gio, where he's going to take his own mic, um, would be that you would hear the words of my story. And after church, listen, I love your prayers. I really do. And I want you to pray for me. Um, and I, I will say this. I'm not even going to give him an opportunity to say it. I, I love prophetic words, but that's not the point. I do not need them from you. Okay? I am not broken. And I don't need you to lead me to a place of unbrokenness. I told you this story so that you can confront, I hear it from my mouth, your own brokenness. So that you do not walk out of this room the same way that you came in. These last two weeks, I've been able to worship with no, no, no dividedness in my heart. It's been the best feeling in the world to know that my voice moves his heart and he responds to me and that I'm not a piece of crap, <laughs> that I'm a son. And this is the reality that I would like for you guys to walk out with today. I know that was really hard for you to, easy for you to hear, but it's hard to do. Yeah. And, you know, when we've, as we've been walking out this process, um, I'm going to be honest, we, we hit a road, kind of this bump in the road. Are you guys okay? You with us? Hit this bump in the road where the guy who's been walking out the process with us, Tim Gregory, he said, I really feel like there needs to be a, a surrendering of the role for relationship. And because we love him, I mean, I've been with him, like he said, since 2007. I was like, what if we don't agree? Like, you're not in charge here. <laughs> like, what if we don't agree with your conclusion on him? Need Like, we know what God has spoken of him. Because Cub is not somebody who does worship. He is a worshiper. Yeah. It's different things. 
And he said these words that just struck my heart. He said, well, if that's the decision you choose to make, I can't walk with you anymore because what you're saying to me is you care more, more about Covington the worshiper than Covington the friend. And that cuts deep when you begin to think about how we treat people relationally, not based off of what God wants to give them, but based off of what they give us. Now in this room, because we've been doing ministry for so long now, we know that people come in, they put on face, they play the game and then they leave, but they're, but they're heavy, they're tired, they feel alone, they feel isolated. And you come into these environments in these rooms and you think, when is it gonna be my moment? Instead of coming to the conclusion that God paid for that brokenness. It would be like you going down to the dealership on Brandon and buying a car and giving it to somebody and them continually trying to pay for that which you gave them. You'd be like, bro, I'm trying to gift you this. You owe me nothing. Yet in the context of church, that's how we live. Covington, we're not saying Covington can't do the role because he can't do the role. Part of it is because you feel like he owes you something. And the Bible is clear that we owe no man anything except a debt of love. <laughs> now that, I don't see that. Because we have so many expectations around how people should look and act. And what I'm wondering, what I've been praying for this whole week as we've been praying about today, is I wonder what it would look like to be in a community of people that they would be able to look past what somebody can give them and just move into unfiltered love where I've said to Covington, and, we, and, and this is when it's tested, I, said, I would say to him, there's nothing you can do to cause me to move away from you. And I would say that to him before I knew everything, yet here we still stand. Because those are just words until we get here. When we get here, we figure out if those words are true. If we choose to stand with people in the midst of them saying, everything I've said to you over the last 15 years, a bunch of bull crap, you're like, wow. <laughs> And yet still you lean in and you say, well, I love you because my love is not based off of what you can give me because this is not transactional. This is God knitting hearts together. So a couple of things I've learned through this process is God's commitment to us is way greater than our commitment to him. Did you hear what I said to you? We base our relational equity and how much we get from God based off of our, our, our leaning towards him and we completely forget that God is so utterly invested. We sing about it for an hour. And yet even still in the room, it's just words. <laughs> How the blood of Jesus covers us and it speaks a better word. And here's kind of where I'll land the airplane per se. Today you have a choice. Now I'm not saying that you have to come up here and hold a microphone and confess all that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is some of you walked in with some really serious stuff today where you force yourself to put up a front that you think everybody wants to see, but you're tired. And you go to bed at night wondering, is this just, is this, you've come to the conclusion that this is just going to be how your life is going to be. Yet still, this Bible is very clear that God the Father, Abba, sent his son to pay for that. So it's not your lot in life. I say this with all humility, love, because I love you. You're choosing to remain there. And my prayer for you today is that you would choose a better, a more excellent way. You're like, what if I come up and nothing changes? That's, that's the wrong question. What if it does? What if today is a day where, where you take a step and you say, God, I'm trusting you with this brokenness. The reality is that Covington surrendering the thing that he loves most is the best thing he can do because then God can give it back unhindered. He can give it back in a greater way. 
And anything we choose to hold on to like this is at risk of God ripping it out of our hands because we have to live our lives open-handed. So here's, here's where I kind of want to land. I, I really just want to make space for vulnerability. Nobody's going to come up to you and ask you and nobody's trying to expose you. Like there's just, there's just none of that. We have, we have no, we have no agenda. That'd be the best word to use. We have no agenda. All I know is that God is good. Amen. And that what God is, is doing in Covington, he wants to do in us. I'm not saying you, I'm saying us. Because there are areas of Gio's heart that as I've been walking this out with Covington, when I was walking with Tim Gregory, <laughs> I got to say this, we were sitting up in that office, oh, it was back here, and he's like, I want to make a confession. And Tim begins to open up his heart about his, his heart and his life. I want to make a confession. And I'm like, oh, this is, this is awesome. This is going to be awesome for Covington. And about 10 minutes in, Tim turns to me and he goes, Gio, what do you want to confess? I'm like, whoa, I'm just here for him. I'm just making sure that there's safety. And he's like, what's your confession? And I've just noticed that for all of the language we use, it's just a bunch of words. Because one of the most profound things Covington said to me, which it's, it's not Covington, it's just the reality of how we live. We were up in that office and I heard the words come out of his mouth. I resign as worship pastor of Abide. And when he said it, I heard it, both of us sank. Tim's like, all right, guys, I'll see you later. And we both just sat there in our, in our, in our, I was sad. And he said these words to me. He said, I don't even care about the role. To be honest, my confession is, if I let this go, then I'm going to lose everyone. Because the only reason people are around me is because of what I can do for them. Now, that may not be your, that may not be your confession because you don't hold a microphone every week. But it could be, I can't let people really see who I am because if I do, they're not going to love me. They're not going to care and they're not going to lean in. And I remember those, the, the moment those words came out of his mouth, I shared with our staff, there was a conviction that I have to do everything I can to prove that wrong. Now, if we took ownership of that as a community, what God can do among us would be incredible. Because I believe God's looking for a place where people don't just put family on cards and they pass them out and say, we're family. But they really live it out. And family is only really tested in adversity. It's the only time it's tested. So here we are. We're in a room with hundreds of people and somebody has just opened up their heart in hopes that, number one, you would receive him, but number two, that it would make way for you to come out of your great sadness. To be able to say, maybe today, this is the day where anxiety, depression, fear, hopelessness, self-deprecation, all of the things that you have spoken of yourself, you can choose to give them to God and say, I don't want that anymore. And you can choose to believe that it doesn't take a moment of you falling on the ground and having a hyper-spiritual moment for God to have that which he paid for. So let's stand. Let's just close our eyes. Let's just wait on the Lord for just a moment. Because this, this is only by the Holy Spirit. We're not trying to leverage any moment or make anything happen. If the Holy Spirit doesn't do it, then nothing gets done. So Jesus, we're here in this room. And we're seeking to discover and find the true meaning of kingdom family. Father, we're believing today that for some in this room, this would be a day where things were truly left behind. That anger, that pain, 
that disappointment, that frustration. Maybe for some, I just even feel like you have your own version of the great sadness. And that's become who you are. I can't do for God. I can't receive from God because... And you've been carrying guilt because the accuser has come and says, this is what you do. And shame because he whispers in your ear, this is who you are. But today we say to you, it's a new day. That as you would take a step forward, that you would step out of that brokenness and into the new life that Christ has provided for you by his body and his blood. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to give courage. Courage, hope, and faith that on the other side, they're not only gonna find freedom, but they're gonna find family. We just declare this moment, holy, holy, holy. We silence every voice of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Even for those of you that like, I just can't go there. Father, we're asking you for grace. For strongholds to be broken. For truth and identity to be restored. I just feel the Holy Spirit. Before we, before we do the call forward, I'm going to have Covington actually pray because he's the one that's in the moment and he carries a grace for this. So I'm going to have him pray and then we're just going to do a call. Open our eyes, Lord. We want to see you. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would just rend our hearts. Rend our hearts. And I pray that you would take these people along the same journey you took me on. And I pray that you would show them that you are in their pain. You're not outside of it. And that you will meet them there so that they can hand it over to you. I pray that you would give them boldness and courage to make a choice. Lord, break the expectation of supernatural encounters and it has to happen this way and it has to happen that way. A choice. Help us, Lord, every day to make a choice. To make a choice not to believe lies, but to believe truth. Show us what it looks like to be sons and daughters, truly sons and daughters. Show us what it looks like to be vulnerable today with the people around us that love us. Show us what it looks like to be vulnerable with you, Lord. Give us the courage to rend our hearts open before you so that you can enter into every single part. Give us the courage, Lord, to hand our hearts over to you and believe that you'll actually do good things with it. 
and give us the courage to hand our hearts over to our loved ones so that we believe so that they can steward it well with us. Thank you for breaking brokenness utterly. Thank you for breaking brokenness utterly. It's utterly broken. Thank you for breaking brokenness. Thank you for freedom today. Thank you for giving us the ability to choose today to be free. Thank you for giving us the ability today to choose to be free. And Lord, we thank you for the wholeness and the healness, the healing of the hearts that are going to come as a byproduct. Oh God, give us courage today to make a choice. So if you're here and you know that God's speaking to you, I want to ask you to step out, even as an act of I'm stepping out of that season. And we want to pray for you down here as you step into the new one and partnering with you. So you can come now. Listen, this, this is not about how many people. It's okay if there's just a few. I just want it to be real. This is not about the masses, but if that's you, just come. We're just gonna, you're stepping out of one into a new, and we're just gonna pray over you. You took the step. So you're making a choice. It's an act of faith. Can I get my staff and some to just come around? We're just going to pray and bless them and partner with them into a new season.